to start turning the coin with our lesson tonight that I've entitled, Those Whom God Apprehends as Authority. Now, sometimes if we've lived long enough and we got some experience under our belt, if somebody says, who wants to be the boss, we, you know, we say, I don't, I, I, I've lived enough life to know that it's not easy always being the boss. Can those of you that have been bosses, can you say amen? Those of you that have had employees that you've had to work with, can you say employees are not always easy to work with? Isn't that true? If you think your employer was bad, you just be an employer sometime. And I know there's stories on both sides of the fence. But uh, truth of the matter is, for a lot of us, uh, we would like uh, to be in charge. And truth of the matter is, you need leadership. You need people who will be in charge. It just can't be mutually shared decisions all the time, because usually that's mutually shared confusion. Um, And that's why God never used a committee that I see in the Scripture. He always picked out a person, and he used a person. And from that person, leadership came forth and God's will was able to be accomplished and uh, performed in the earth. But there are criteria by which God apprehends people. In other words, just because you're cute doesn't necessarily mean you should be an authority. I mean, I mean, yeah, like, you know, yeah, it's worth for me. Yeah, right. You, you see, that's why, you know. See, for me to be on TV, there are certain dynamics, because every time I go like this, I blind people, you see, I just, so, anyway, uh, but you, you know, just because you're smart doesn't mean you should be in charge. A lot of people have more education, and they just need deliverance from it. Um, so, so, there are certain qualifications uh, in order to be an authority. You need to keep that in mind. A lot of time, when we're passed over, we say to ourselves, wow, I'm smarter, I'm I'm, I'm more experienced, I'm this, I'm that. Well, you, it could be that you are all those things, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're qualified to be in leadership. Um, you know, I'm going to read to you a passage here, 1 Corinthians 1, let's just read it, verse 26. This is what Paul says. He says, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the what? Hey, how many of you know if you're called of God, he, he, he immediately labels you? Come on, that ought to keep your perspective. I'm just trying to help you keep your perspective. I'm a foolish thing. I'm a foolish thing. You're a foolish thing. But here's the good news. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. You know what? When, when authority is exercised properly and when God is able to use it in incredible ways, truth be told, when people look at that situation or scenario, this is what they say. They say, ain't no other way to explain it except that's just God. Because they ain't smart enough, sharp enough, wise enough. They don't have enough money in the bank. They couldn't have got it done any other way except God did it. And that's really how he wants to do these things. I'm not going to read every passage. I might look at 2 Corinthians 12. That's a great passage. I think that'd probably be a good one to read out loud. 2 Corinthians 12. 
verses 9 and 10. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. And he said to me, this is the Lord speaking again to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in what? In your weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities. Now, that's not your typical charismatic, is it? That we might even consider that to be a poor confession. But what he's saying here is this. He's, he's saying, I, I, I'm not going to tell you how great I am. I'm not all that. I'm not all that in a bag of chips. I, I, I'd rather boast in my infirmity that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Because you understand that, that God resists the proud, but who does he give grace to? Yeah. So, so anytime we think we're all that, you have immediately put yourself at enmity with God. But the minute you humble yourself, God will release empowering grace to you. He says in verse 10, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. Can I just say that there's, there's a battle that you will face, undoubtedly, and most of you have already, with the enemy. The enemy throws things at you that will cause upheaval and heartache and distress. He'll throw things at you that will cause destruction and harm. There is no doubt those things will happen and it's at the hand of the enemy. <clears throat> but Paul says here that, that there, there are infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecution and distresses and you're doing it for righteousness sake. The scripture says that we are persecuted for righteousness sake. In fact, Jesus said, blessed are you you want a blessing? Blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness sake. This Sunday, I had all, think of this, I had 12 days just to sort of bake in God's oven. You don't even know what's fixing to come your way Sunday morning. I, I promise, I promise I'll be, I'll be gentle. But the, the point, but I tell you what, God, you know what? I don't want to say this, that that when everybody's hollering your fame and when everybody's thinking you're all that, that is not always a sign that God is with you. Because the same crowd that cheered Jesus into Jerusalem was the same crowd that hollered crucify him, and he was still Jesus in both situations. And the same crowd that thinks you're all that and thinks you're the best thing they've ever run across and they, they, they speak your name as the most marvelous, wonderful person in the world will be the same person who a week later will look at you and think you're the devil himself. So just keep that in mind. Sometimes, sometimes we need to realize that we're going to go through challenging situations that, you know, and we can deb debate how, how that's loosed in our lives, but God's using it in order to create in us a vessel that he can use to put his authority in. Just think about your, your Jesus and what God did or what God allowed at least to happen before he was given a name that was above every name. Think about that. Think about, think about what Jesus went through before he became the one seated at the right hand of God the Father. Think about that. And as you think about that, remember he's our model. All right? So I just scared everyone off from being an authority right there. No, 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 no. His grace is sufficient for you. Amen. 
So let's get rolling here. Got to hurry. To understand authority correctly, there are two sides of the issue I mentioned, being under as well as being in. Authority always works better when both sides are doing what they're supposed to be doing. Isn't that true? Just like a marriage, if the husband's doing his part and the wife's doing her part, it's always a better relationship. However, whether we're under poor authority or whether we are over rebels. Now, you realize there's two sides to this coin. A lot of times when we're under authority, we think that who's ever over us is Saul. But you got to remember when God gives you a place of kingship or authority, you can look down and you'll see a lot of Absaloms. It just depends on your perspective. And, and, and so whether you're under, you feel like you're under poor authority or whether you're in authority and think that you've got nobody that's responding to you appropriately, listen, we're still required to do what God has asked of us to do. And there are just as many examples of people being abused by unrighteous authority as there are people abusing righteous authority. I won't even open that can. I've heard, I've heard this for years that, that you got to watch out for them pastors. You got to watch out for them televangelists. You got to watch out. You got to watch out. They're, they're going to somehow mess with the people. And it's true. There have been those that have been uh, wolves in, in uh, sheep's clothing. But let me just tell you, the phrase says wolves in sheep's clothing. Didn't say wolves in shepherd's clothing, did it? All right, I just thought that was an interesting insight there. And folks, I know, I know that there are pastors and there are bosses and teachers and policemen and judges, and I know there's rotten, rotten authority. But can I just tell you this? There have been a lot of congregations that have done God's man or God's woman wrong too. And God, and God has granted us in this time of our lives. Now, I'm grateful uh, that, you know, we're at peace and, and we've established order here and Everything works pretty seamlessly most of the time at Legacy, and we're grateful for that and grateful for your hearts and grateful for your responsiveness. And, and we've worked through things, and we got to where we are, and we say praise God for it all. And God has allowed us, Trace and myself, to begin to walk through open doors to work with pastors who aren't enjoying as good a season as maybe we've walked into. And so, and so we've been listening ears to those who are on the front end of challenging situations, who are trying to do what is right and finding resistance. And so uh, I, I just remind everybody that there can be, there can be terrible, terrible authority. But, but I, I can tell you there's been more than a business or two that's had terrible employees. It wasn't all the boss's fault. So this, this is a two-way street. Now, no one can really know how to exercise authority as we mentioned in our last lesson, until his own rebellion has been dealt with first. Because if your own rebellion isn't dealt with and God gives you authority, do you understand how absolutely terrible that would be? Because now you're not just rebelling to somebody who's over you, but now you're in charge and in rebellion. An unbroken leader will always be tyrannical in their approach to people. In Matthew 8, verse 9, it's the story of the Roman centurion who had a servant who was sick whom he entreats the Lord to come in order that, uh, well, actually, he just entreats the healing virtue of the Lord, and the Lord says, well, I'll come to your house, and I'll heal the servant. And the Roman centurion says something interesting. He says, you don't have to do that. All you have to do is speak the word, because I understand how authority works. I'm a man in authority, and I can speak to soldiers and tell them, go here or go there, and they will respond because of my authority and my word. And he looks at Jesus and says, all you have to do is speak the word. 
And Jesus looks at him and, and, and basically gives this Roman Italian centurion one of the greatest affirmations in all of Scripture. He says, I've not seen this faith in all of Israel. Now, now listen to me. This is really important because sometimes God will use people that don't seem to be as much on target in some areas as we seem to be in the church. But understand, Jesus looked at a Roman centurion who was not nearly as on target as the whole house of Israel, and he says, great faith, great faith. He had revelation that the Jewish people did not even have. Do you understand that a lot of our military has greater revelation with regards to authority than we do in the church? Greater, greater revelation than we do. And so we, we've got to understand this is going to take great revelation. God's going to have to turn some light bulbs on for us. And it starts with those whom God apprehends they must be broken. How many of you got the, the I handed all of it out, the harness of the Lord? Do you all have that harness of the Lord? I think I handed it out to everybody. Please read that. It's just a great little story. But it will help you understand brokenness and how God uses brokenness in the life of those two horses. One horse thought he was free, but he found out that he couldn't be used by the king until he was broken. So brokenness, why is it an important part? Well, authority represents God's authority in ways. Unless you're broken by the Lord, most people cannot stop the intoxicating effect of power and visibility from feeding their egos. And what happens is authority becomes self-serving if the inner issues are not dealt with. And that's why God, those whom God uses greatly, he breaks deeply. Because the more, the more authority or visibility you have, what happens to most people, it goes straight to their head and they get a brain cramp. Vis-a-vis -vis politicians. I mean, they start out well, but all of a sudden they get into these higher levels of visibility and authority. And what, what happens? They lose, their, they lose their mind. And so God wants to bring brokenness. Now, brokenness is not devastation. Brokenness is not messing your life up. Brokenness, scriptural brokenness, you might want to write this down. Brokenness in the Bible equals yieldedness. That's what brokenness means. It means your will is broken, which means you are yielded. Yielded, yes, to God who is direct authority, but yielded, obviously, when delegated authority comes to you as well. Brokenness. God uses that. Now, as an authority, we have influence over others, and our influence can be good or bad, and whatever that influence is, it has a rippling effect in the lives of other people. I've already mentioned to you that in the Bible we see Lucifer, who was probably at one time the worship leader in all of heaven. He had great influence, great visibility. Rebellion, the Bible says, was found in his heart. In Isaiah 14, there's a great passage concerning Lucifer there. If you've never read it, it's about Isaiah 14, 12. I don't have it noted here in the notes, but right around there. But it talks about how the son of the morning, Lucifer, says, I will be like the most high God. I will ascend into the heavens. I will, I will. In fact, seven, seven, at least seven different times, he uses the phrase, I will, I will, I will. Hear me now. When you start hearing I will come out of your mouth, or I, 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 there's still unbrokenness in there. I, 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 I. Yeah, we, we mentioned, when you hear someone say, my ministry, my ministry, and that's all they say is my ministry, my ministry, my ministry, I can tell you something's not right there. 
because my, 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 my needs to be broken. And, and, and the key is when you have greater influence and visibility, what happens is, just like it happened in Lucifer's case, he took out, the Bible says, a third of the angels. Now, they'd seen the manifested glory of God. They'd been in the very presence of God. And Lucifer, as he rebels, still is able to take a third of them with him. And, and so, we, you know, God is aware of the fact that that visibility and influence can work for both righteous purposes and unrighteous purposes. And uh, authority needs to be broken. Authority has influence over others, also through delegated authority. Those rulers around us who are established by his sovereign, sovereign choosing have influence over us as well. Now, let me give you some characteristics here of those whom God will choose for places of authority. First off, letter A. Those that he chooses must have a revelation that all authority comes from God. We need deep understanding of how God works through authority structures. The Bible says that the heart of the king is in the Lord's hands. Psalm 75, I believe it is, it says that he raises one up and sets another down, that promotion cometh neither from the east or the west or the north or the south, but from God alone. So God raises up kings. God raises up rulers. I know we all ask ourselves, why, why, why does he raise up evil people? It's, I can tell you why. It's because even in the Bible, the people of God moaned and whined before the face of God so much, so often for a king. When God didn't want to do a king, he finally relented and he said, you know, if I give you a king, there's going to be trouble. And they have basically said, we don't care. And so God gave him a king. You know what would be great to preach from that passage is that sometimes you just keep praying about something and God's saying, I really don't want to give that to you, but you just bug him so much, he just gives it to you. And you get it. He says, you want it? You know, I, I, I'm getting old enough now where I praise God that some of the prayers I prayed, he didn't answer. Praise God. And some of them I wish he hadn't answered. H have you lived that long yet? And said, oh, God, you answered that prayer, but boy, was I dumb. That was, that was just me, and you gave it to me, and boy, how dumb was I. So, so consider that, that, that you got to understand how God works through authority structures, and our own personal authority is not derived from our own opinions or our, or our ideas, but the knowledge of God and knowing his way. Can I just share this with you? My, my, my leadership is based on this. It's based on this. And I may not be perfect in my understanding or knowledge of all of it, but I've spent a lot of years trying my best to understand it. And, and authority, good authority, and authority God wants to choose are, is authority that understands his ways and wants to do it God's way. So it's incumbent upon us to really know God's will and not just flippantly give our opinions. I just wrote this down. Now, I wrote this several years ago, but I wrote this down. It says, until you know the will of God, then just shut up. Can I just share this with you? Because this, really, this is really an important thing about, I think, about leadership and, and authority and really credibility. I'm going I'm to help you with some credibility. 
if you, if, if, if you stand up a lot and say, the Lord told me, the Lord told me this, the Lord told me that, the Lord told me, the Lord told me, I, well, that's great. I'm glad God's talking to you. But what's interesting is, is how the Lord told you one thing one week, and then he told you the opposite thing the next week. Or the Lord told you this, but it didn't come to pass. And the Lord told you that, but that all collapsed. And the Lord, and the Lord, and the Lord. Can I just say this? Don't, we, we need to stop pulling the Lord in on things until we know the will of God. Now, this... I've not been perfect at it either. There have been things I thought were the, the Lord, and, and I probably missed it. But I can say this. Before I'll stand up before a congregation and say, thus saith the Lord, I better be sure down in my heart as deep as it can go that I better be speaking the truth and not just tacking God onto what I want. Are you following me? God told, me to, God told me to move. God told me to marry this person. God told me to go over here, take this job, quit this thing. God told me, God told me. Well, all right. And then all of a sudden it collapses. Somebody needs to go to them. I, I think there ought to be this God told me policeman. I don't want the job. Although I would like to watch it happen. And someone to go up to that person and say, I thought you said God told you. Because a good thing would be to say I was wrong. And if you had to clean up some of those, you know, God told me things, you'd quit saying God told me so much. Because it wasn't God, it was pizza. It was indigestion. It was your will, it was your way. You, you just, you got, are you following me? You can't be in authority and always be saying, God told me, God told me, God told me, God told me. And I, I shouldn't say that. You can do that. I'm just telling you, I ain't going to follow you very far. If you keep saying God told me and it ain't happening, you understand? Now, if you said, I, again, if I feel like God might be saying, I sense the leading of the Lord, I, the, cool. But, but again, when you're in authority and you're giving leadership to people, have you ever thought about this? Let's just say, those of you that are men, let's just use your family. Men, think about this. You, through your leadership, can bless or crash your family. Have you ever thought about that? It's really, it's true. Your leadership. Because if out of your leadership, let's just say, you should say, God told me that I'm to do this. I'm to quit this job and maybe take this job or I'm to leave this place and go to this place. And, and again, that could be and, and may well be the will of God. And do you realize that that family, if they're functioning in order, is going to look at you and say, cool, God's spoken to dad, and, and you're going to lead them. You better know that you're leading them the right direction. That's called credibility. That, that, that's what God wants to use when he gives people authority. Just because you sound spiritual all the time by saying, the Lord spoke to me, the Lord spoke to me, I don't give a flip what the, listen to me, I want to see fruit. If the Lord spoke to you, then your life, and if he speaks to you as much as he seems to be speaking to you, then you ought to be the most on-target person in this place. Now, again, I'm not going to share that. But I'm just a great observer. Amen? I'm helping you with your credibility. God wants to give you authority, but if you go into the office and you're going, God told me, God told me, God told me, and your life is crashing, 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 is it any wonder they look at you and go, oh, there they go again? But if you have a life that you can come in and, and say, you know what, I, I, the Lord spoke to me, and you're hitting, you're hitting the target, after a while, people are going to stop and say, I want what you got, because you seem to be on target. All right? That, that's how authority 
is manifested. And that's why Paul wrote to Timothy, he said that those who would rule in the house of God should be able to rule their own households first. Doesn't mean you're perfect. Don't misunderstand. He's not expecting perfection, but he is expecting a track record. Okay? Um, you have no reason to expect obedience as authority if you're careless in your word. So, again, we need to be sensitive to this. Uh, secondly, and I'm going to move quickly here, if you're going to be an authority, you're going to have to learn to deny yourself. Now, I understand in the world system, when you reach certain places of power, there is no denying you anything. I, I, I mean, it, I just got done over my vacation. I read a book. It was called The Politician. Anybody read that book? Good. Don't. I mean, I'm just... I'm going, to, I'm going to spare you about three days of worthless reading right there. It was really about the guy who, uh, as you will recall, took the, took the blame for uh, Riley Hunter's child that was actually fathered by John Edwards. And so it was that whole kind of story. And it had all sorts of things about politics and how it works behind the scenes. And I, I just read that, and I got done reading that, and I thought I needed to take a shower, man. It was... It was it just, you know. But, but the problem is, is that there are people who reach certain levels of power, and then they think they no longer have to be denied anything. And that's exactly what happened in John Edwards' case. He'd reached a place where he had, you know, what do you do? I mean, once you get a couple million dollars, I mean, what do you do with it? I mean... You, you get so much money, and, and, and all of a sudden, nobody's going to challenge you in anything. You don't, you don't have to worry about the ripple effect that comes behind your life, because who cares? I mean, no one's going to fire you. No one's going to call you into account. And, and there's no sense of denial. And it reaches the place to where they actually believe. I don't have to be faithful to my wife, because, quoting, men of power get to have their concubines. <laughs> who wrote that law? those who don't want to deny themselves. And unless we're broken by the Lord, it happens in the house of God as well. And that's the part that you've been listening to me talk about and the, the associations that I've been making is, is that for the church to get right, the pulpit's got to get right. And it's not just do as I say, it's live like I lived. It's becoming Paul once again who says, follow me as I follow Christ. I know people say, well, you don't follow a man. Well, you know what? You should be able to follow somebody who says, follow me as I follow Christ. Because I understand I'm not perfect and I'll do things wrong. And every now and then I could, I'm a human being as anyone else. But we ought to be able to say to whether it's our children or our employees or whoever we're giving influence to, listen, I'm doing my best to hit the will of God. And if you can't find it, follow me because I'm following Jesus. Amen. Now, you can't do that unless, number one, you mean it, you got credibility, and you've learned that there's going to be some denying of oneself. Galatians 2.20 says that, uh, nevertheless, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. How does that happen? It happens because we've been crucified with Christ. So we've, we've died to ourselves and we've denied ourselves, And we have to be willing to deny ourselves for greater kingdom good. You want to be, if you want to be an authority, there are going to be moments that you're going to have to learn. I'm going to have to be the first one to give something up. Amen. I'm, I know I'm scaring you off from being a leader. You need to be prepared for loneliness, I put down here. Those whom God chooses for places of authority. 
You see, the degree of nearness you want to have with the Lord will be commensurate to the degree of his demands on your life. What do I mean by that? I mean that, that there comes a moment that you've got to realize that if you're, if you're demonstrating the character of God and you're demonstrating the authority of God, then you need to be sure that, that, that you're demonstrating good things and appropriate things. And so if you're in authority, you can't always have loose communication with people. No borderline jokes. I've already mentioned this before, man. You got to think about. You got to think about what you're saying, where you're saying it, how you're saying it. It can trim your fellowship at times, and it's not that you want to be aloof. It's not that you're wanting to be distant. It's not that you're trying to keep people at an arm's distance, but but not everybody can handle great familiarity. Not everybody can handle great transparency. We do our best, don't we, to try to be transparent. But even in our transparency, there have been times that. Probably some couldn't handle it, and, and it just can give you a lonely life. So you need to be prepared for that. Letter D, God chooses people who can exhibit self-control. We must be sensitive to what we say, when we say it, the company where the words are spoken. If you're going to be an authority, you've got to learn how to keep a confidence. Persons with many opinions and thoughts on everything should be feared. Have you ever met somebody who knows everything? I mean, it doesn't matter what subject comes up, they know it. Fear them. Fear them. I, I want to hear someone every now and then say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We're talking about tree clearing. Tim, I don't know. I, I don't know. But I'm going to find somebody who does know. All right? People, if people want to be everyone's counselor and like to press their ideas on everyone else, those have not exhibited self-control. God cannot use a person so full of themselves that they cannot be full of God's wisdom. Here's the question. Do you want to be full of yourself or full of God's wisdom? Talkative, opinionated, self-promoting people need a radical dealing with the Lord. We should be careful of how inadvertently our mouths are open. And so, uh, you know, we've had Bible studies on that, and we need to continually to be reminded in that area. The other thing is we should not itch to interfere with others' affairs. I always remind myself of this. Even God wants an invitation to come into our life. Isn't that true? God, God is sovereign, and he can do anything he wants, but he doesn't force himself on people. He waits for an invitation to come in. God wants to be invited into all of our lives. And so, so keep that in mind. If he's our example, you know what? We, we need to be weighted to be invited into people's lives and not just presume we can jump into it. Uh, a person who God uses for authority it can endure provocation. Now, nobody likes criticism, and it should uh, not have to be endured as much as it sometimes is. But it's a part of a leader's territory. If you're going to be at the front of the pack, how many of you know that's the easiest person to shoot? And, you're, and, and that's just a part of the territory. Now, it ought not be people need to realize, don't do that. Nobody likes it. I don't like it. I was telling Trace the other day, I've come to the conclusion that you know when you've really made it in ministry when someone has created a website for your destruction and criticism. Do you know that there are websites out there dedicated for people's destruction and demise? I, I mean, it is. I mean, I, do, do you not have anything better to do? 
I can't tell you the church. I won't tell you the church out loud, but it's a fairly notable church here in the southeast. And, and I was just, I was looking, and I, and I thought I was hitting the website of this notable church, but I came across a blog site by, I guess it was a member of that church that has been dedicated for the last three years of doing everything he can to destroy the pastor of that church. I thought to myself, dude, get a life. Get a life. You think you're doing God's work and you've not even read the Bible enough to know it says don't touch God's anointed. Listen, I may not like all the authorities that are around me in the earth, but I'm going to be very careful before I make a railing accusation against an authority. If Michael couldn't bring a railing accusation against the devil, I don't care if the devil is in Congress or if it's in your house. You better not make a railing accusation. I understand America's going to hell on a bobsled and it's getting there in a hurry and someone needs to do something, but the end does not justify the means. Just because we don't like what some authorities are doing in the land, we better be careful how we touch them. Be careful. I don't like all that's coming out either. Don't misunderstand. I'm as conservative as they come. But we need to be very careful about us putting out criticism. Now, at the same point, if you're in leadership, you've got to endure a little provocation. Moses' greatest error was when he was so provoked that instead of speaking to the rock, remember what he did with the stick? He slapped the rock, and he lost his destiny. So an authority will always have ample reason to be provoked, but most of the time it only manifests the flesh. And then lastly, I put down here, they must keep in constant fellowship with the Lord. If you want to be an authority, you've got to be in constant fellowship. He who mentions God's name casually or carelessly is far away from God. They only prove their remoteness from the Lord by their lack of reverence. That's what I'm saying. If, if you can't use God's name in vain, you can't flippantly. I mean, you've got to be careful. I know that there are, are colloquialisms that, that have been derived through the years. For instance, you, you'll hear people say, oh, God. Well, I, I think we ought to be sensitized to that, 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 that if we're going to speak that frivolously, it kind of says something about us. So, you know, find something else. Oh, oh, peanut butter. I don't know. I mean, I just something, just snap. Yeah, I think. The closer one is to the Lord, the closer they begin to see their own faults. The reason being is because you realize that when you're in his presence, there is no confidence in the flesh. Let me conclude with this. We'll just read it together. A delegated authority, and I'm talking to someone who God wants to raise up in a position of great influence, ought not to strive to secure their authority. Do not insist that others listen to you. Don't you know I'm in charge? If you find yourself doing that, I'm just, we've got, we've, we do, we have an authority problem. If they err, let them err. If they don't submit, let them be insubordinate. If they insist on going their own way, let them go. We ought not strive. It's taken me a lot of years, but I don't strive nearly as much with people. Now, that doesn't mean I, I won't get a little twisted or aggravated, and sometimes I'll feel prompted of the Lord to give them a little pastoral exhortation. But, but the stride, you know, I've come to the conclusion if someone doesn't want to learn God's ways, I can't jam it down their throat. If they don't want to be teachable, I can't, I can't make them be teachable. 
In fact, why should I even demand a hearing if I'm not God's authority? On the other hand, if I am set by God, need I fear lest men submit? The more God entrusts to us, the more liberty we grant to people. Those who are most thirsty will come. And when your authority is being tested, we need to leave it to God. Because you know what? They're not rebelling against you, but they're rebelling against the Lord. They sin against God's authority. See, that's the thing that we got to keep in mind. When, when someone's challenging your authority, let's say, let's just go to the, to the, to the business world, and you're in charge, and, and you're trying to do what's godly and right, and you believe God put you there, and everybody, everybody is just doing what's right in their own eyes, and no one's paying attention to you. you got to realize that they're really not rebelling against you. They're rebelling against God and God's authority. They sin against God's authority. And if your authority is really from God, those who oppose you will find their spiritual way blocked. That's what's the most interesting thing is I don't have to lift a hand. That's why the Bible says the battle is the Lord's, that you're not to avenge yourself. You just let God handle it. And sometimes, I'll be honest with you, through the years I've watched this, God's, God's far tougher than I would have been. I mean, and I thought I could be pretty tough. But it's amazing what God will do if you will let him do this. The government of God, or the order of God, is a serious matter to him. And so the one whom they disgrace and criticize and oppose is not you, but God himself. So let's trust him to deal with the matter. Amen. Our confidence is in him, not in ourselves. And he wants to raise up a great group of leaders. Amen. All right, have to come back from vacation and deal with authority. Praise God. Lord, we couldn't dealt with the blessing. No, we're going to deal with authority. All right. But it's important, right? It sure is. Amen. Let's stand. All right, let me pray for you before we go. I'm so glad to be home. I'm so glad you're here. And I'm so glad God's still on the throne. <laughs> let me pray for you right now. Father, I pray right now for every person that's under my voice at this moment. Lord, I pray right now that your spirit would come to us and that you would bring new sensitivity to the issues of authority around about us. That Lord truly, as Watchman Nee said, this is the controversy of the universe. Who's in charge? And Lord, help us that as we, as we discern these things, that what we're really doing is discerning the hand of God and where you're moving and where you're at and, and, and how you've ordered things. And somehow, some way, in all of it, you're at work in our lives. So, Lord, help us once again to have our confidence in you. Lord, I confess to you that there are moments and there are times when I interact with those that have authority in the earth and I wonder where in the world are you. But, Lord... Give great revelation that you are there. Somehow, some way, working in that moment. And you're implementing Romans 8:28 that says that you will cause all things to work together for good to those that love you and are called according to a purpose. So, Lord, help us remember that somehow, some way, you're in the midst of all of that. And no matter what happens around us, Lord, give us a right spirit. Hey, how about doing that tonight? I just feel I want to stop there for just a minute. Let's just pray right now, and let's just ask the Lord. Lord, cleanse us tonight. Come on, cleanse me tonight. 
Cleanse me tonight. Lord, forgive, forgive my attitudes. Forgive me being twisted in certain situations. Forgive me for frustrations and aggravations and irritations. Lord, I ask your forgiveness. Lord, give me a right spirit again. Create in me a clean heart. Renew that right spirit in me. That, Lord, it doesn't matter what happens around me. All you're looking at is how I respond. All you're looking at is how I handle. All you're looking at is what I do. And, Lord, I want to I wanna live well before your face. Lord, do that in your people tonight. Cause us to be of a sweet spirit, a good spirit, even though we're carriers of challenging truth to a world that doesn't want to hear it. Give us a good spirit that... Lord, if they reject the truth, it will be because of the stone that the builders rejected and not because we put a rock of offense out there. Help us to do that well. Lord, bless your people. I thank you for their lives. I thank you for all the good things that are going on. I thank you, Lord, that this week's going to be a powerful week and you're going to do some amazing things. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Amen.